G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face, to helping you understand the issues going on in the world, to clear and understandable Bible teaching, all peppered with great Christian music, the latest news, and even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. Walking in truth and love. And uh, that's going to be a great conversation uh, for you to be part of as we unpack some of the issues to do with 1st, 2nd and 3rd John. Those epistles that you find towards the end of the New Testament. John, of course, the Apostle John, the writer of the Gospel of John and also the writer of the book of Revelation. Well, he also wrote these three short letters. 1 John, 2 John and 3 John. And they are filled with encouragement and truth when it comes to issues like addressing false teaching. Well, you might like to be part of our conversation today on 1-800-316-316. Well, our special guest to talk through these issues is David Mulready. He's the author of a new book that's called Walking in Truth and Love. And David is a, uh, these days, retired, but he's a former bishop of Northwest Australia and retired back in late 2011 and for eight years he was the bishop in uh, there in northern uh, western northwest western australia and of course uh, that for the anglican church the largest diocese in geographical size in the anglican communion covering approximately a quarter of the australian continent well uh, he's uh, written a number of other books too we'll talk about those shortly but a special welcome to you david mulready it's good to have you along on 2020 Thank you, Neil. It's good to uh, be with you this afternoon. Uh, David, uh, you're retired these days, but that doesn't mean you're doing nothing. In fact, you're spending a lot of time writing, and uh, you're a part of, these days, uh, uh, the Christian community there in Jeringong, there in New South Wales. Uh, what sort of things do you do to fill your week? Well, I've also been helping out in other churches uh, when ministers are away on holidays or they're on sick leave. Uh, or they're waiting for a new pastor to come. So I'm really happy to work part-time in that sort of ministry and helping out in our local church as I'm able. Uh, Just reflect for us for a few moments on what it was like uh, taking care of business uh, so far as churches go with the Anglican Church there in the northwest of WA. Uh, Eight years and a very, very large area for you to cover. Yes, we did an enormous amount of travelling. My wife and I travelled together, mostly, and uh, we would be away from home half the year, visiting churches in our diocese or uh, over in the east, raising funds and trying to find other ministers who might come and join us. So there were lots of challenges, but uh, that's where we believed God wanted us to be, and that's where we were. 
Well, you know, just to honour you for your work there in Northwest WA, uh, the reports that I read about just how loved both you and your wife were as you worked there in WA, it's just a, it was just an inspiration to read of some of the comments that people made about you uh, for your years of service there. David, let's talk about the book that you have only just written. I mean, it's just hot off the press now and people only just able to get a hold of it. It's the fourth book that you've written. This one is called Walking in Truth and Love. I've mentioned that it's all about the uh, the issues that came out of 1st, 2nd and 3rd John there in the New Testament. Uh, how do you describe the book that you've just released? Well, it's really a, a series of 40 meditations or Bible uh, thought, Bible studies uh, in which people can each day, uh, either leading up to Easter or at any other time through the year, spend some time in this part of God's Word and then each uh, each week there is a set of questions for personal reflection or for group Bible study uh, discussion. And then in the back of the book I've put together six sermons that I've preached, a sermon summary, uh, in the event that anybody wanted to uh, preach a series of sermons on the letters of John while a group of people in the church were looking at these particular books in their own personal Bible reading. Let's set the scene for a conversation today. And, of course, we want to invite listeners to participate in our conversation. We're talking about First, Second, and Third John, uh, Walking in Truth and Love. Uh, when we're going to be discussing some of the issues that came out of that and the issues that you uh, are, uh, are addressing in your book, uh, how do you get an, a good overview of what these three letters are about? Well, the first letter, the, the largest of the three, is really written to expose false teachers of the day and to correct their heresies and then to encourage true Christians, assuring them of the grounds of salvation, uh, of only being in Jesus Christ. And uh, those things are as relevant today as they were uh, so long ago. And then 2 and 3, John, very short letters that were written to individuals or in one case perhaps a house church, uh, written about the travelling missionaries, travelling teachers of God's word and the way in, in which the locals could uh, extend hospitality and receive them and uh, again a warning about not receiving uh, false teachers. Let's talk about false teaching for a few moments because, uh, you know, sometimes in this day and age people say, well, it's all right to believe this or it's all right to believe that. There's all sorts of things that people believe in different groups, uh, different names, different brands. Uh, let's talk about false teaching and perhaps if we start uh, back in the first century because obviously after Jesus ascended into heaven and then there was the work of the apostles through the book of Acts and towards the end of the lives of the apostles obviously there were teachings that were emerging that were contrary to the teachings that these apostles had. Would that be one of the reasons do you think that the apostle John decided to uh, to address these uh, false teachings, these heresies in these letters? I think that's the exact reason. Yes and to encourage uh, to, to address the false teachers and then to encourage the true believers to stick to the truth, to stick to God's truth. Uh, what can you tell us about the false teachings in the first century that John was addressing? 
Well, uh, they were far from, from the truth. And in, indeed, uh, John says in chapter 3 of the first letter, do not let anyone lead you astray. And then in chapter 4, uh, he goes on to say, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And, and again, the subject is addressed in, in the second letter as well. Okay, I guess one of those teachings that was getting around in the first century, uh, or what was probably a whole group of different teachings that were alternative to what those apostles were teaching, was uh, this issue of Gnosticism, the yeah. idea that, uh, that you have to have a special knowledge in order to be a person who is accepted by God. Uh, how do you describe that by way of, of how that, uh, that false teaching was, was being propagated? Yes, well, they had to have the special knowledge and claim that it really wasn't revealed from God. I think it was uh, man-made ideas, um, false understanding of uh, some parts of the Bible that they may well have had at that point. And it was all about me rather than all about God. Okay, well, that's interesting because uh, is there any way that we can sort of then uh, correlate things that were happening there in the first century with the things that we've got to look out for today in the 21st century? Yes, well, sadly, um, I think in in every Christian denomination, there are uh, people who are moving away from the Bible as God's revealed truth. And so they uh, reinterpret scripture uh, and then of course there are they are false teachers as well and then of course there's uh, our dear friends the jehovah's witnesses and the mormons and others who claim to be christian but even though they might be very very nice people they uh, mislead people and uh, are not are not walking in the truth or believing the truth of the scriptures Okay, and there might be a whole bunch of different ways that people vary from the truth that we're talking about that comes from the Bible. Now, this is an interesting one, and I know that others have written about this as well, and you included in your book, uh, David, these sort of three tests uh, for the Christian. Uh, How do you you work out if there's a a sort of a formula or a test uh, for what is Christian truth? Well, John... Um, spells out again and again, particularly through the first letter, that there are three tests of whether a person is a Christian. And it's what, it's what they believe, uh, the, the, the material that they believe, the truth they believe, uh, whether they are genuinely sacrificially loving uh, and self-giving loving, and then obedience to the truth. It's all very well to have head knowledge, but unless we actually are obeying what God says, then uh, we are not really walking in the truth. So what we believe, uh, how we love, uh, and uh, how we obey seem to be, uh, from John's writings, the three tests of whether a person genuinely is a Christian. Well, we might enlarge on some of those as we go through our conversation and wanting to invite our listeners to join into our conversation today. Uh, you might like to be part of this talkback conversation, our line open on 1-800-316-316. How do you think about walking in truth and love? 
Uh, is there, uh, for you, some sort of a formula for walking out that truth, uh, working out that truth, or what uh, teachers are teaching as true, uh, what false teachers are teaching as false? Uh, how can we know what truth is? And uh, do you think that we give enough attention, enough weight to the importance of knowing what that truth is, because I guess in one sense, if we don't believe the right things, of course our behaviour and the things that we do will be different to the things that uh, that are true when we look at the Bible. Uh, what are your thoughts too on the challenges of walking in love and in obedience to Christ? Well, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. The importance here, I guess, Dave, David Mulready is if you get it wrong at the beginning, then all of the things that you do in your faithful service may actually be uh, be, be uh, off center. Indeed, uh, what we believe affects the way that we live. And uh, so, for example, one of the the great truths of the Christian faith and the great truths of the Bible is, the, is that Jesus is the only way of salvation. There is salvation in no one else other than him. And uh, nobody can know God except through Jesus. However, sadly, uh, there a widespread view is being held today that it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere and uh, that there are many other paths to know God. There are many other ways of knowing God. But that is not what the Bible says. And so we need to keep coming back to the Bible again and again uh, as it's centred around the person of Jesus Christ and uh, the way in which we find forgiveness in him and friendship with God through him. Interesting, isn't it, David, that uh, that there is such an exclusivity to Christianity, that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. It is the thing that Jesus said that gets lots of Christians into deep water because when we stand on that truth, uh, that's where we rub everybody up the wrong way. Well, if we don't stand on that truth, I maintain that a person can't really genuinely be called a Christian. We can believe we can believe stuff about Jesus, but as soon as we take him out of the equation or as soon as we say that there are other ways of um, knowing God, then we, I think, exclude ourselves from being Christians. Well, it is, when we talk about this, a controversial conversation that we're having today. Mm. And uh, and so do you pick up on that sort of controversy, as you've written there in your book, Walking in Truth and Love? When you're going through those devotions, are you challenged by the things that you do believe and the things that you uh, do obey God in? I, I'm, I was personally challenged uh, by the letters of John. I just grew to love them and love the truth that was contained in them and therefore I uh, address the issue in the in the set of Bible studies um, yeah and, it, and I address those issues that there is really only one way uh, and uh, that is addressed right through the book This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective 2020 on Vision 
Good to have you along with us. one 316 to be part of our conversation this hour. Our special guest is David Mulready, the author of a new book called Walking in Truth and Love. David, let's take a call or two. Let's hear from Bruce in Brisbane. Hello, Bruce. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, God bless you guys. Good on you, Bruce. What are your thoughts on our conversation today? Well, number one, um, there has been no clarification on air today that I've heard so far from this gentleman who wrote this this, um, this book that he has turned away from the Anglican beliefs. The church itself has homosexual and lesbian pastors which is the abomination before God. It says it in the book of Leviticus. Second Timothy 4.2, and, and I'll say the Amplified as best as I can remember it, it says, preach the word in season and out of season and show people what way their lives are wrong with all, all patience and teaching. And, and that's, a little, little, that's a little Bruce um, uh, quote of it, which could be slightly, slightly a couple of couple little words that aren't exactly as the amplified teas, but it's pretty close. All right, Bruce. Well, let's get some thoughts from David on that because uh, the Anglican Communion's a very large global movement, and there are uh, some factions within there that have some alternative views. But uh, David Mulready, what are your thoughts on what Bruce is sharing? Well, thank you, Bruce, for the question. It's an excellent question. Uh, the Anglican Church around the world is very diverse. And within Australia, it is very diverse. I belong to that Anglican stream that believes the Bible to be the Word of God, our only source of authority, and therefore I wholeheartedly agree with you in your comments, uh, sadly, about the uh, homosexual and lesbian situation. I preached a sermon in our own church here only a few weeks ago uh, saying that the marriage of homosexuals and lesbians uh, was totally abhorrent to God and that we should stick to Christian marriage as is defined uh, in Scripture and as is defined in the law of our land. So uh, I'm part of, uh, of that Anglican wing that uh, hold to the truth of the Bible and haven't rejected the Bible's truth as some Anglicans have. And Bruce, uh, while I've got you on the phone, there is a sense, isn't there, uh, David Mulready, that uh, if you happen to find yourself in one of those leadership positions within the Anglican Church and you have to juggle uh, all of the different perspectives that people have, uh, there are some challenges there, aren't there? I have some sympathy for people who are archbishops and the like who who lead Anglican uh, churches around the world. There certainly are. And, uh, for example, when I was the bishop in the Northwest, I would only accept ministers who would sign on the dotted line as being Bible-based and Jesus-centered Christians, and um, none of them were agreeing with homosexual lifestyle. Uh, None of them would agree with uh, homosexual marriage. Uh, And it's so in the diocese in which we live now, in in Sydney Diocese, which is um, probably the most evangelical and Bible-based diocese in in the world, and uh, people in other parts of the world look to us uh, to give a lead in these things. 
So, yes, leaders have a, a difficult time. Bruce from Brisbane, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. one 316 If you'd like to join into our conversation, our talkback line open one 316 Let's take a call from Joanna in Logan in Queensland. Hello, Joanna. Welcome along. Hi. Um, I've got a question. Yes, what's your question? Um, when I was in Uniting Church, uh, it's actually Johanna, but people get a bit funny about it. You might like um, to turn your radio down in the background, Joanna. Better turn it off because it's going to confuse me. Yes, do that. It's because we have um, a delay I, here. I believe in the seventh day, which is Sabbath, not Sunday. When I was in the Uniting Church, they believed in all sorts of things like Christmas and Ash, Ash Friday and Palm Sunday, which is not in the Bible. And I find that very confronting for me because it's really a difficult thing to be a Sabbath keeper and to believe just in the Bible and not any of the festivities because we reach out to our community everywhere and that's all our goal is. It's not about Christmas festival festivals or, or Ash, Ash Wednesday or whatever it is and yeah, I'm wondering how you feel about that. Well, let's get some thoughts. David Mulready, what are your thoughts on what Joanna's sharing? Yeah, thanks Joanna. Um, I don't believe that the Bible comes down strongly as to whether we we meet with God's people on Saturday or Sunday. If I did, well, I'd uh, and believed it was Saturday, well, I'd probably become a Seventh Day Adventist or something. But um, uh, these other festivities that we have um, are certainly not central to Christianity, apart from, of course. Uh, Easter and the recognition of Jesus' birth, the remembrance of Jesus' birth, but there are opportunities to um, be able to address the issue with people who may be, may be very nominal, may only come once or twice a year, uh, and while that is the case, then we can um, teach God's truth and challenge them with the claims of Christ upon their lives uh, if, if it is only the uh, occasion that they come for a Christmas or, a, or an Easter celebration. So I think that they do have a part to play, but of course they, the celebrations are not the central uh, tenant of, of the Christian faith. Uh, Johanna from Logan, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020 and a number of issues that uh, Johanna was raising. And the interesting one, this one with the Sabbath, uh, David, because... Uh, because when people have a uh, you know a literal reading of the scriptures, uh, there is a sense in the, in which uh, you know the meeting on on the Sabbath or having that uh, that Sabbath day of rest uh, becomes very important for some people. Of course, if we take it back to the first century and to the apostles, uh, they were actually meeting for worship on the Saturday, but often in the synagogue, and then they would meet on their own as Christian believers on the Sunday. On Any thoughts on, the, week. on the first right. day of the week, which was uh, was the, the symbolism, of course, is uh, Resurrection Day. So that's yes. the that's the reason why uh, Christian believers meet on a Sunday. Yes, and, and again, some are now meeting on Saturday night um, in a, a church just near where we live. There is a, a church that has introduced a Saturday night uh, service or late afternoon on the Saturday to try and uh, attract some families. Uh, indicating that really, whether it's Saturday or whether it's Sunday, 
Or if you're shift workers and you go to church on a Wednesday, uh, I used to be a country minister myself and had church on a Wednesday night in a little country centre out of Walgett, three country centres out of, out of Walgett. That's when the church met on Wednesday nights. The farmers would gather and that was their Sabbath. So I'm not sure that the day of the week uh, is uh, particularly important so much as the fact that we gather and we learn from God's word and we fellowship together and we spend time in prayer and praise and those are the important things. Interestingly, when we start to talk about some of these issues because some of these issues are important and some are not so important. I think uh, when it comes to the way we assess truth, sometimes we talk about what we need to be dogmatic about and those other things that aren't quite so important and we can agree to disagree on some issues. Yes. Well, one eight hundred one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. if you'd like to be part of our conversation, our talkback line open. David Mulready is our guest, the author of a new book called Walking in Truth and Love. Let's, uh, let's continue to take a call or two. Cheryl is in South Australia. Hello, Cheryl. Welcome oh, along hello. to 2020. Great to hear from you. Yes, um, uh, David Mulready, it's Cheryl Shilty and Craig Shilty from Parapadoo. Oh, hi, Cheryl. Hello, I heard you and I thought, oh, wow, how lovely. Fancy that. We've got a reunion happening here. That, that's, that's wonderful. Right. Well, we're sure we're is... in Roxby Downs now. Yes. And I oh, think lovely. that, I think that uh, you organised for a, a, a Vision Christian radio um, transmitter to be put on the top of the Parabadoo Church. Yes, we did. Yes. We did. Yes, yes I remember. We're all here in Roxby Downs as well, and yeah. uh, Craig's sorting out more, so that's great. That's yes. terrific. Yes. Yeah, um, David, um, you know, like with Halloween and everything, um, yes. what do you tell the children? It's just um, so hard and that. Um, oh, we had a little girl come to the door, um, you know, on the night and it's like I didn't have anything for her and I said, sorry, we don't do this. It's just so hard. <laughs> and to try yes. to explain to the children, yes. Uh, well, there was a, there was a lady... There was a lady, Cheryl, at our church yesterday who, uh, who had a few chocolates uh, near her front door and when the doorbell rang, she said, uh, hello, boys and girls. She said, we in our household don't really agree with Halloween and, and all of this, uh, what you're doing today. However, we want you to have a chocolate and, um, and go home and, and read some of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> So it is hard when other children are even believing in Santa Claus and, and uh, things like that. Um, we didn't have any visitors uh, for Halloween at our home, but it is, it is very difficult sometimes when children um, are under peer pressure, aren't they, isn't it? Yes, it is, but no, that's a good idea. It's certainly not part of the, of the Christian faith. Yeah, that's that's right, and it's just hard to explain to young children with that as well. Cheryl, I think there's a lot of things you can do with Halloween, and uh, just to reflect, there was a, a festival held that was an, an alternative to Halloween, uh, not too far from where the Vision Studios are in Logan and just south of Brisbane, uh, and uh, they were expecting 10,000 people to turn up for the alternative to Halloween, where wow. where kids were uh, 
uh, where kids were invited uh, to dress up in costume but come along and be part of a what was called the Light of the World Festival. And I did hear a report a little earlier today just of how successful that was over the weekend. And, of course, the idea of having chocolates, and you can also include a Christian tract with those chocolates when kids do knock on your door. Cheryl from South Australia, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. We're talking through issues this hour, walking in truth and love. And uh, don't want to detract too much uh, from getting uh, some insights into uh, the new book that's out called Walking in Truth and Love. David Mulready, the author, is on the line with us. Uh, David, if we talked about an overall uh, way that you can look at your book and what sort of things that you might walk away from having read the book at the end of those devotion times, uh, how is it going to change a life? Well, we're going to be uh, somebody who takes these studies seriously and takes this part of God's Word seriously will be uh, even more uh, desiring of reading God's Word, of, of learning and understanding God's truth, and then putting it into practice by, uh, with sacrificial love and uh, obedience to God, seeking to serve Him whatever way we can, being on the lookout for... Uh, false teachers who want to write books and um, Christian DVDs and come on television and knock on our door that are peddling uh, things that are not true to the Bible, not, not a true understanding of God's Word. Our special guest this hour is David Mulready. He's the author of a new book called Walking in Truth and Love. Uh, David, before we take the next call, and there's a whole bunch of calls uh, just lined up, and uh, thanks for uh, persevering, uh, those who are waiting on the line. But let me just ask you about that word perseverance. Uh, this was one of the uh, one of the underlying uh, motives of John too, wasn't it? That he was uh, wanting the people to persevere through these difficult times when they were facing all of these challenges with false teaching. It was indeed. And in fact, in chapter 2 of the first letter, we read, See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and the Father. And this is what he promised, even eternal life. And then a couple of verses later, he says, And now, dear children, continue in him, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Perseverance is one of the fruits of being a Christian, and it's uh, certainly emphasised in John's letters. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Cecilia in Horsham in Victoria. Hello, Cecilia. Cecilia, are you with us? We might have lost Cecilia. Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Uh, hello, Neil. Yeah, I don't know if I missed it but uh, because I turned off the radio, so you might have covered this, but regarding the Sabbath, uh, uh, Romans 14, 5 and 6, it says... One man considers one day more sacred than another, and another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And also uh, regarding Christmas and Easter, although we're not supposed to, it doesn't say we're supposed to celebrate them, it might be the only two days that, um, you know, people get to engage the secular world, you know, witness to them, you know, you know the Great Commission as such. Yeah, that's Good points there, Chris. And uh, your thoughts, David? Chris, what you said sums up what I said. <laughs> that's right. Thank you. You're right on the ball. Mm. 
Well done, Chris. Thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's hear from Darren in Underwood in Queensland. Hello, Darren. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, Neil. How are you going? Very well, Darren. What are your thoughts on our topic today? Um, I'd like to ask um, David something that we've um, (laughs) touched on before in regards to walking in truth and light is... um, uh, David, I believe, is from an Anglican background. Yep. Yes. But um, I know that. Uh, oh, no, we won't go there. Um, the um, my question to him is: um, within the church, we have many ministers and uh, many people that um, are operating as Freemasons, and they're also ministers in churches. Uh, I spoke to one on the weekend, actually. <laughs> so I know it's going on. And um, uh, being aware of um, practices of Freemasons with the curses they take on as they go through each level and um, speak out oaths that are blood-curdling, to say the least, um, and bring pronounced curses on their family, I'm just wondering what the Christian response would be from David um, if you have um, ministers in churches that are practicing Freemasonry. Uh, David, your thoughts? Yes, well, thank you for that good curly question, Darren. (laughs) I know hundreds of Anglican ministers, and none of them are Freemasons. Um, I believe that Freemasonry and Bible Christianity uh, do not match up. Mm. Uh, My dad was a Mason himself, uh, and uh, the the secrecy uh, and the uh, unusual beliefs uh, do not tie in with with the Bible, mm. and uh, so dealing with um, I've had a couple of men who have been Masons who've become Christians, mm. and they have eventually left Freemasonry because they saw for themselves from the Bible that they were not consistent. Mm. Mm. It's very difficult with you having a, a pastor, a minister who is who is a Freemason, and uh, perhaps as you pray for him. Uh, and um, maybe not Bible bashing, but seek to uh, explain to him uh, where there are divergences, then uh, he may well give it away as well. Uh, yeah, it's not, uh, just to make that clear, though, he's not, not my pastor. He's a pastor that I know of. <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, he lives not far from the uh, Vision Stadium station actually. Anyway, right. we'll, uh, we'll, that is an interesting topic of uh, conversation and discussion. I think I uh, had some communication with you once before, Darren, saying that we might pick up on that on another day and we might even unpack that in some, uh, in some detail. But uh, Darren from Underwood in Queensland, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. one 316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Let's hear from Graham in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, thank you. Uh, I'd like to touch on the Sabbath, which is the uh, seventh day of the week. And uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and verse 3, talks about the Sabbath, it's holy. Then we go through to uh, Matthew 5 and 17, uh, verse 17, which says, I come not to change the law, not one piece of it. Then we go on to... uh, 27 and 28 that uh, opens your mind to what God's talking about. He talks about marriage, about looking upon a woman. If you look upon her to lust after her, you are already committing adultery, which refers to that commandment 
of not committing adultery. We go through to Revelation 22 and chapter 14, which says, those who keep my commandments and such forth. So the Sabbath to me is uh, very strong in Scripture. You can't get past it. Let's get some thoughts. David, your thoughts on what Graham's sharing? Well, thanks, Graham, and I respect uh, your view and respect the fact that you uh, wish to stick to uh, and be a, a Sabbatarian. Uh, I don't find that strong emphasis in the New Testament at all. Uh, in fact, all of the early Christians would have uh, really been out on a limb if what you say is correct, because they were meeting on the first day of the week, on the Sunday, as a celebration of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So uh, a, a previous caller, uh, Chris, I think it was, who uh, who pointed out that we ought not to be having great arguments about this issue, but spending the time uh, seeking to win others to Christ and uh, seeking to live for the Lord Jesus as we are able. Okay, thank you so much to Graham from Tasmania for your input today here on 2020. one 316 There'll still be a time for another call or two if you'd like to join our conversation. It's some of these little contentious issues uh, that we can get hung up on, uh, David. Uh, there is, uh, we mentioned a little earlier, there's things that you need to be dogmatic about and there's things that you need to agree to disagree, and uh, they do make great conversation, and particularly when we are led back to the Scriptures to find the reasons why we obey and behave the way that we do. Yes, that's right, Neil. Uh, and, and over all these things, one of the great themes of the letters of John is is Christian love, the agape word, the sacrificial, self-giving selfless sort of love that will uh, rise above these issues that over which we might disagree. Uh, we had din- people to dinner on Saturday night. He's another Anglican minister. We happen to disagree on a particular issue, which uh, I hold strongly and he holds strongly. But because of our love for one another, yeah, that did not affect our fellowship. We were able to disagree and to agree with the important things Uh, that God talks about. And this idea of sacrificial love is a theme that goes right through all of these three letters and uh, it stresses the importance of not hating, uh, which is a very strong word, not hating our brother or sister in Christ uh, because if we do, then the love of God is not in us at all. So love will override a lot of these divisive uh, and alternative issues. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. Our special guest this hour, David Mulready, the author of a new book called Walking in Truth and Love, a former bishop of Northwest WA. 40-plus years in Christian ministry service. He's written a number of books. Uh, This is his latest one, Hot Off the Press. Uh, David, we'll take another couple of calls in just a few moments, but let me just ask you about uh, one of the themes that you have in your book, the idea of Christian assurance uh, that we we can glean from 1, 2, and 3 John. Uh, How important is it to have this level of Christian assurance? Well, Neil, it's absolutely vital and absolutely possible uh, there are, I've come across a lot of people over the years who have said, well, I hope I'm a Christian. If I'm good enough, I'm a Christian. I think I'm a Christian. 
But the wonderful thing about it is from 1 John that we could know for certain whether we're a Christian. It sounds like an arrogant claim, but it's not arrogant simply to accept what God says. And so in 1 John chapter 5, from verse 11, he says, And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And the word for know means in the original language with absolute certainty. And it's not pie in the sky. It's not for later on. Uh, it is that you have eternal life now. And so eternal life starts when a person accepts Jesus as their Saviour and Lord and repents of their sin and, uh, of course, goes on forever. So it's, it's a very important issue and one which we can be confident about without boasting and without being arrogant. Well, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's. We might have time for another call or two quick ones. Uh, here's uh, John from Wangaratta. Hello, John. Welcome along to Twenty Twenty. Oh, good afternoon, Neil. Um, look, I'd just like to reinforce what David just said, and and um, particularly <clears throat> in relation to Jesus being the only way uh, to the Father. In that, um, the point I'd like to put forward is that uh, uh, sin can't exist in God's presence. And, um, and a sinful person can't exist in God's presence. And the only way that a person can come into God's presence is by receiving Jesus as their saviour and being washed in his blood and therefore be, being presented faultless before his glory. And um, I think this is where all the other faiths and that uh, in no way um, do they have... Uh, Jesus and his blood where uh, people can can be uh, be washed and presented and and it's a, that you know when Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life he's really saying I'm the only one that can wash you clean and uh, I think this is um, uh, and it also is going on from what David said before there's a reassurance that when we uh, it's a God's gift for us we just we don't have to do anything for it we just have to accept it and uh, once we've accepted it, then we're his adopted son or daughter. John from Wangaratta, thanks so much for your call, and that's great input, some good points in there. Let's hear from Alan in Tamworth in New South Wales. Alan, welcome along to 2020. G'day, Neil, David. Hi, Alan. How you going? I'm very short on time. Pardon me. <clears throat> there was an old Moravian, I think it's a Moravian saying, that says that um, in the essentials, unity... In the non-essentials, I'm not sure what the word is used there, but it could be something like grace, and in all things, love. So it sort of gets around all of those um, schisms, or not schisms, but all those fights that we have over Armenianism, Calvinism, and all the rest of the stuff that really is so important as, as those things that we stated earlier. David, your thoughts on, uh, on what Alan's sharing? Yeah, those things are true, uh, Alan, except uh, I would want to say that compromise, uh, we must be careful not to compromise the truth. We can compromise on the non-essentials, but we mustn't, concentra- we mustn't compromise on the, on the truth that God has revealed through his word and through his son. 
but certainly with those things that are not uh, crystal clear in Scripture, then by all means we can differ uh, with grace yeah, and love. Alan from Tamworth, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. You know, we all want to argue our own perspective and uh, oftentimes, you know, in the right setting where that discussion gets underway, there is a sense, isn't there, David, that humility uh, to admit where you're actually wrong when you can be shown from the Scriptures and not just a proof text uh, here and there, but uh, to see a pattern and an understanding from the Scriptures uh, that there is a a, a way and a, a way that uh, we're called to obey, that there is a sense in which we need to be humble and to be able to receive that and, and actually change our own thoughts. This is right, Neil, and it, it includes uh, the subject of prayer, which John covers in his letters, that we should be praying for that humility and, and praying that God's Holy Spirit might uh, convict us of the truth and help us to put aside things that maybe we have been holding strongly, but when it's pointed out to us from a clear, uh, sensible use of the Bible, that, uh, that we, we change. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so the book is just freshly out on the bookshelves. Uh, David, uh, I guess you'd be hoping that people will take a fresh look at first, second, and third John. And, uh, you know, just knowing that I was going to have this conversation with you today and uh, last night, uh, I read uh, first John, second John, third John. I'm sure uh, just leading people back to a fresh read of these three letters and then uh, perhaps availing themselves of uh, the opportunity to have a commentary and uh, some devotions that can go along with getting the best out of that teaching. Yes, well, having having grown to love the letters myself, Neil, um, I've uh, preached on many occasions in the letters of John and, and now written this uh, set of 40 Bible studies. Uh, I, I'm excited about this part of God's Word, which I think, generally speaking, is neglected. Um, so it would be terrific to have uh, more and more folk reading this part of God's Word and... Uh, learning from it and adjusting their lives accordingly. Uh, running short of time now in the lead-up to the news, uh, these three tests that we talked about uh, early on, just to come back to those for a moment, David, belief, love and obedience. Yes. Uh, how important is it to actually have a bit of a self-assessment, a, a quick self-test every now and then? Well, we do need to, to keep doing that, don't we? Uh, prayerfully, before God, and uh, perhaps chatting over with, uh, with other Christians in a, a Bible study group or a home group, uh, those three issues will, will say whether we're a Christian or not. Because we may think that we're a Christian, but we may be out of line. Mm. Well, great getting your insights today, David. And I'll point people to your new book. It's called Walking in Truth and Love. Uh, the author is David Mulready. He's been our guest through this past hour. You can get a hold of the book at Good Christian Bookstores and also you can get it online at the cepstore.com.au. That's cepstore.com.au. David Mulready, the author of that new book. He's the author of a number of other books too, God's Fellow Workers, Sermons from the Book of Acts and 40 Prayers from the Bible. David's just been a great uh, insight uh, setting today and uh, want to thank you so much for being our guest on 2020. Thank you, Neil, and thank you to the listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.